The WNBA semifinals start Sunday, and M. Adler is here joining me, host Natalie Heverin, to break down both semifinals matchup, the Liberty versus the Sun, and the Aces versus the Wings, and make predictions. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and happy Friday. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Natalie Heverin and I'm a features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter for the next. Thanks for making locked on women's basketball your first listen every day. And remember locked on women's basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter promo code locked on NBA for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And if this is your first time listening to Locked On Women's Basketball, we at The Next have over 100 reported pieces every single month. We have a beat reporter on every single WNBA team. They'll be bringing you uh, great coverage as, um, you know, end of season interviews come up. And then, of course, through the semifinals and the finals. So get that YouTube subscription up. And you can also support us by subscribing to The Next, $9 a month, $72 a year at thenexthoops.com. So today we'll be chatting all about the WNBA semifinals that are coming up. Uh, both series, the Liberty uh, will be hosting the Sun for the first two games uh, before going back to Mohegan. And then Las Vegas will be hosting the Wings. Uh, so very excited. Joining me today is M. Adler, who covers all things WNBA and NCAA for us at the next. And by all things, I truly mean all things. Uh, so, um, you know, getting into it is the... Liberty and the Sun, the semifinal matchup you were expecting? Yeah, I think it was pretty well telegraphed sort of the whole way. I think everyone was pretty excited to see Washington and uh, New York square off in the first round. I think certainly the second game of that series did not disappoint, either for people who really like very physical top fight or people who just like close games and really weird things going on. Um, but what's interesting is the Sun did have to play a game on the road, uh, an elimination game in Minnesota. But what's interesting looking at the series, the, the Sun links that is, is that it, it the fact that they had to play an elimination game makes it seem honestly a bit closer than it actually was. Game one was, a, was an extreme blowout. Game three was pretty much over at halftime. And game two was really, it really came down to the wire. The Sun ended up finishing that series uh, just in terms of their plus minus, their point differential, their net rating. You know, they ended up basically right in between Dallas and New York in terms of how good they were in the first round. So, you know, one of these teams had to play had to play game three, one had to play one had to not play game three. Um, but I don't think it should be looked at as, you know, connected coming in on a on a weaker foot than New York. And we'll talk about this when we talk about um the aces and the wings, but there was only about 24 hours between uh, the end of the Liberty game and the end of the the sun game. So while the sun have played an extra 40 minutes of basketball, it's not, or I guess an extra 35 minutes since the Liberty went into overtime when game two against the sticks, but there's, it's still pretty even in terms of um, preparation time uh, heading into game one of the semifinals on Sunday. 
Yeah, and even at that, you know, despite the fact that the Lynx Sun game was, I guess, like mostly over at, by halftime, they still found a way to not spit Alyssa Thomas. They still found a way to give Beck Allen and Dewan Potter 37 minutes apiece. So, you know, they, they're they doing what they're doing. You know, Dewan Bonner still drops, you know, it's very efficient 25 points despite the minutes she's played all this season. So, clearly, it's not going to have that, that much that big of an effect, I should say, in terms of the rest of the time around, but on their side. So getting into the matchup itself, what do you think the Liberty need to do to secure the series? So I think the Liberty, for the most part, it's, you know, just do what you do best, right? The Liberty are, you know, I, I love this Sun team. They're incredibly fun, but the Liberty have, uh, you know, two players who could start for the Sun in Lane Johannes and Kayla Thornton coming off the bench for them. They swept Connecticut in the regular season for pretty good reason. One of those things went to overtime, and it was very close as well. But, you know, again, Connecticut sort of has to fight this uphill battle to get there. And it's not just because, you know, one team on paper is more talented than the other. But the specific way that the Sun like to play, they, they love to send two to the ball and really rotate pressure. Uh, shells behind it on defense, on offense, you know, they are all about picking you apart on the roll and really hitting as much uh, backside movement and as much uh, sort of empty pick and roll that, that can leverage any team's weak talents as possible. And the, the issue is that these things can pick apart other teams. These things are very hard for, honestly, Vegas. It's harder for Vegas to match up against Connecticut, even if Vegas has better shot making than New York. It's just sort of that structural difference. But when it comes to New York, you know, there are the the little vulnerabilities that the Suns sort of inherently have because of the way they're playing really feed into New York's strengths. In that, like I said, with that pressure scheme and the the rotational shell behind it that they play with on defense, New York is the prop I shouldn't say probably New York is for sure the best three-point shooting team in the league, uh, both in terms of the ability to get up a lot of good attempts and to shoot really well on a lot of attempts. And that's and they have really quick passing. They have plus passers at every position. And that's the issue that you have with this sort of blitz-heavy, uh, rotation-reliant scheme that the Sun want to play, is that the, really the main vulnerability is when a, is a team having a lot of passers and shooters to be able to move around the pressure really quickly. And I think on the other end, you know, the, the Sun are going to do what they do, and it's going to be very fun to watch. Um, but I think it's still, they're so reliant on getting downhill and creating um, and, and, and creating pressure and rotations and collapsing the defense in so that they can, they can then hit the movements and the cuts. And, you know, for as weak as New York is in terms of guard defense, they have Stewie and Jidge in the back line. So they've sort of, they've almost been operating uh, from a system of our guards aren't going to defend well and the back line is going to make it up. And going off of that, you know, are there any vulnerabilities the Liberty showed in their series against the Mystics, even though they did uh, sweep the Mystics? I, I think for certain, honestly. Um, although I'll get into that in a second, they did show you know, some adjustments. Um, you know, the, the the second team in particular, every time sort of they were able to hit JJ, um, basically in the first three quarters, um, they didn't win the fourth quarter, but they didn't do it enough in the first three quarters, and it was an easy bucket for her just because of the matchup. And they still were not able to go out of their way to find ways to get her the ball. You know, there were there was maybe the first two months of the season, first month and a half, first two months, they were really reliant on Stewie to bail them out. 
when you know the the chemistry wasn't there and they were still building and the system you know wasn't exactly hitting and flowing as much as it could and as much as it has lately. So they're really reliant on Stewie to get them out of those those spots. But they've gotten so good in terms of you know, playing as a team, playing in their own structure, and getting each other hooks that it has almost comically gone sort of away from that in terms of there are times when playing within the system most times that's great that's how you want to set up the game that's how you get the most efficient looks but there are times especially in the playoffs where you know another team is able to counter what you want to do pretty well and there are vulnerabilities but you need to be able to play sort of some iso ball some some shot hitting sometimes and that's sort of the thing that they need to be able to get to that I don't think they have yet is just being able to balance those two things. And it's really hard to balance. The Golden State Warriors a lot, like couldn't keep Kevin Durant uh, happy long enough because you know, they could not find the balance between the system and me and when they needed someone to just get a shot. Um, I think at least offensively for the Liberty where they're so hard to find any weaknesses, there is that if you can find a good counter to get them off with them, they haven't yet shown a, a, a reliable ability to really move in the direction of that counter and they may often play to their own detriment yeah and as you touched on not in your last chance but the one before the liberty are four and zero against the sun this season winning by an average of 15 points per game what did the sun need to do to secure the series and what vulnerabilities did they show against minnesota i think it'll help if they keep if they keep shooting the lights out like they did like they did against minnesota they shot, I think it was something like 37 or 38% from three. That was really good. You need a you need a very consistently good series from Beck. You know, Beck Allen is a very streaky shooter, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. On the whole, she's a very good shooter, but some shooters are more consistent than others. And for her, you never know where you're, whether she's shooting six of eight from three or like one of six. So you need consistency from there. You need Bonner to, you know. You need DB to not necessarily have an off night, which isn't hard for her, but the team is still reliant on her and AT generating the offense when things might get bogged down. When they're in the on the clock, they're actually very good at finding that balance that I said the Liberty no, aren't so good at. And you just need, honestly, consistency from Heidemann and from uh, Tisha Heidemann and uh, Tip Hayes. It's just, you know, we know what the matchups are going to be. We know what each team wants to do to the other at this point, and we know what they're best at. It's just about being able to consistently play at a high level and put yourself yourself in the best, in the best position to win and just hope that you can, you know, do the things that made them so hard to play against in the regular season because of how they spread you out, because of how they make it so hard at times to provide the backline help that is essentially the base of New York's defense. If you can do that, then you're looking at a pretty good chance of at least going shot for shot. Coming up next, Em and I will discuss the upcoming series between the Las Vegas Aces and the Dallas Wings. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look and just generally make you look good. They do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. Bird dog shorts also fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They fixed this issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but instead it stretches and is able to give you a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Even better, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink, sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. 
I've gotten all the guys in my life a pair of bird dogs, and they're great for all occasions. My fiancés wear them on a date night, my dad wears them golfing, and my brothers wear them to work and to work out. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA or enter promo code locked on NBA at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. So moving on to our second semifinals matchup, aces and wings. Was this what you were expecting? I think it's what probably most people, like maybe everyone was expecting. We, uh, to, to peek behind the curtain a little bit for the listeners, I like to do some internal polling. This is how we get our end of season awards at the next, um, which you can read as they come out about every three or four days, in, every day right before the WNBA announces uh, their own awards. Had a high of 19 voters this year. Very representative sample. Now to stop plugging that, Part of that that I don't release publicly that is just interesting for internal use and for us to talk about is I ask people what they think are going to happen in the playoff series. Um, It was a little bit skewed with Dallas because when I sent it out, we thought that they were going to probably be playing Washington. And then the Mystics sort of had another bout of injury with, I think, Shakira Austin that basically directly resulted in losing to the Sparks and that kind of jumbled it up and moved them down the standing surprisingly. So a bunch of us technically thought that Dallas wasn't going to win, uh, but I think if I redid that maybe a week later, it probably would have been everyone like unanimously expecting that this would be the result. And, you know, I I was doing my research beforehand and found that the Aces are 3-1 and one against the Wings this year, winning by an average of 13.3 points. Um, what do you think the Aces need to do to secure the series? the aces i think honestly the the thing about what you're saying about three and one i believe and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the sequence was aces win wings win and then aces won the last two yes fantastic so yeah it was there are different factors that go that go into you know the wing winning that one which is you know they were that was basically towards the beginning they still had a, a, a few games to go before they were able to hit their stride but that was the really the first time we got a peek at what they would look like sort of post-All-Star break and as they've been so good lately down the stretch. And they were able to do that against uh, Vegas at that point. But since then, even as they've been in the midst of this stretch, it's still it's still Vegas, frankly. You know, you have a team that have four players worthy of all WNBA nomination. Uh, Kia Stokes is a pretty de- is a pretty decently good role player too. Beyond, behind that, you have a sixth player of the year in Alicia Clark. I mean, it kind of ends there for the most part, but like, it's 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 hard to beat that, right? Especially because they play so well and they play at, the style that they play with puts them at a structural advantage to begin with against most teams in a way that it just sort of minimizes the, the weaknesses Vegas might run into and is able to at least mitigate the strengths that other teams are working with. You know, I think it's probably a little bit similar to last season in that it's just like you need, you're starting off at the point of if the Aces are going to lose, you're starting off at the point like you have to assume like two players in the starting lineup who are, you know, among the best, very best shooters in the league, if not make history, you just have to assume that they're having bad series to keep them say that they might lose. And 
for the wings, you know, what are some things that they're going to be able to capitalize on um, in this series if they want to, you know, not get swept or even win the series? See, this is the interesting thing about this matchup in particular. And, and I mean, with, with Dallas in general, they, they sort of play one way and they, they basically don't have any macro level adjustments to them. They, they might have some micro, you know, we want this player to screen more for Satu or less for Enrique, vice versa. We want to go under instead of over, depending on the guard. But it's, for the most part, they have this sort of macro level where they want to play and there's no, there's no adjusting from that. And it's because, for the most part, it's, you know, we are putting four of like the best bucket getters in the league in positions where we can do our best to have how good they are bucket getting, um, sort of pull some defensive gravity, pull some eyes away from each other. So that we're basically constant so they're basically constantly setting up um the ball to swing to someone who has some level of isolation or maybe even has an advantage. This is how you get, you know, a bunch of side actions that then quick hit into a different post up. And you're like, how is no one helping uh, to prevent the ball getting to McCallum. This is how you get um, Tasha Howard cutting to like 20 feet from the basket and being able to attack off the catch against a trailing defender. This is how it's it's how you have these sort of things in it. And, you know, Vegas is obviously a very different team than Atlanta, much better. Um, but it's really a question of, you know, do they, I don't think there's many macro level adjustments for this team. You know, are they going to look to, I mean, Satu has a pretty decent advantage on Jack Young in just terms of height. Do they try to post up Satu a lot? Are they going to try to, you know, get Tina McCallan uh, able to back down Asia Wilson or Kia Stokes into the post? It's really, I, I think we'll figure out probably the first five minutes of game one, sort of how this is going to go, um, at least on that end. I, what I think is particularly interesting is Candace Parker is out, and that's a lot worse for Vegas, but I do kind of wonder if swapping her out for Kia Stokes at least actually kind of helps a little bit in this matchup, just because Stokes is at least going to be able to more physically defend the captain in the post. And, you know, the Wings were the first team in WNBA history to have seven players score in double figures in a playoff game. Do you think their depth gives them an advantage, you know, against an Aces team that isn't as deep? I I, I think probably, for sure. Um, it definitely is not a disadvantage. You know, like I said, the, the way it's built is around, you know, just having all this shot-making talent and being able to prevent the defense from really helping on any one of them. But there are times when they can get pretty inefficient, especially with Enrique Sean, especially with Natasha Howard who was, you know, more effective, tough shot making in volume and efficiency. And I think in, in that case, you know, if you're hitting, a, if someone's hitting their stride, if someone's really get, getting a good matchup, the, the wings sort of have an advantage in that they're at least able to tweak the, the pieces around them. You know, Veronica Burton, for all her struggles, is still at least a, a pretty good point of attack defender, certainly their best defensive guard, at least. Maddie Segrist has proven to be a heck of a hustle player uh, and very effective on the on the boards, you know, against those bench uh, parts. If the if the wings, I'm sorry, not if the wings, if the aces, you know, for some reason, um, sort of find themselves in a spot where they're trying, I shouldn't say trying, but they're doing the Asia at the five line up, you have Alicia Clark at the four, but the wings still want to play big. 
you know, I think I think Maddie Sakers at the three at the four presents a pretty good rebounding advantage and can provide some uh, provide some sparks there. Um, obviously, Sammy's of course has proven pretty valuable as well, uh, at least in terms of that backup guard role. Even you know, they're going to be playing a lot less in this tougher series. But I think overall, you know, the the, the toughest part of this is going to be the wings de wings defense against the uh, Vegas offense, and you know, it's 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 definitely going to come down to you know this is Saki Savali's first big healthy playoff run. How's she going to? She's going to have to defend her tail off on the perimeter and switching in and help. How's she going to do against Jackie? How is she going to be rotating into helping on Asia and on Kelsey Plum? It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to see it. And coming up next, we'll talk about what we're looking forward to in the semifinals and what we think will happen. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door? I know I do. With DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. And it gets even better. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. I don't like grocery shopping, but DoorDash makes it so much easier, and I don't even have to leave my couch. If you want even more value, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Limited time offer, term supply. That's 50% off up to $20 no minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Okay, so uh, I'll ask for your picks uh, and then I'll give my own. Who do you think is going to win each semifinal series and, and punch their ticket to the WNBA finals? I think it's what probably everyone is going to say. I, you know, let's say, let's say New York in four, I'll be told and say Vegas in three. Oh, oh, that's, uh, that's more than I was prepared for. Give me a second. Um, I think, I think I agree with you. Um, I think I'll say aces in four. Um, I do think Dallas might be able to steal a game. Um, and, and I think that, uh, the sun might be able to push it to five games just because, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, go what seven and one against a team in a season. So, and the Mohegan sun crowd, you know, if they're, they're able to, to steal a game and enforce a game four, uh, that could get a little interesting too. So what are you looking forward to most, uh, Results aside, like, what are you interested in seeing? I mean, just across the board, there's so much talent in the league right now. It's unfortunate that, that uh, you know, we had uh, – I'll just get getting this out of the way. It's unfortunate that Elena Deladon looked so much like, you know, what, what we've seen in, like, previous years in the just a couple of playoff games against New York because you know, it hasn't looked like that for most of the season, most of the injury reasons, and it was such a brilliant flash. Hopefully we get that next year. But so like, aside from that, there is so much talent in the league these days, just in terms of the top players and the positions they're able to be put in to succeed. I mean, you know, Sabrina Mescu, 
and Saki Sabri, both fourth-year players who have absolutely exploded this year. Uh, Sabrina was obviously good last year, but it wasn't the greatest shooter in history. But um, there is just so much of it all around um, from teams like Dallas and Connecticut, where there are players that we thought of as role players before who are now averaging, you know, 12 points a game and six rebounds and really killing it just in terms of efficiency and ways that are super fun to watch. The stylistic difference differences between all these teams, I think is probably sort of in terms of like the basketball play, what I'm most looking forward to, just seeing a bunch of incredibly talented people doing a bunch of different things and all super well. And then in ju just in terms of the narratives, you know, it's really exciting to see, you know, all these star players go head to head and to really see, you know, what direction uh, they can sort of pull the lead not necessarily in terms of things that will actually happen, but at least in terms of the narratives and saying, you know, who's coming out on top? This is, I think, one of the most, you know, real battle for supremacy playoffs that we've seen in a little while. What about you? I'm I'm excited just for a little more chaos. You know, the <laughs> end of New York Mystics game two wasn't necessarily pretty basketball, but I <laughs> loved the chaos. I loved the fact that I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, you know, then uh, similarly, you know, Connecticut, Minnesota game two, it was, I think the Lynx led by 16 and then um, the Sun got it down to five-ish, give, give or take a couple. Um, and just like the the rush of emotion, the roller coaster, that's I bad for my heart, but so much fun. Um, really excited for hopefully a little more chaos in the semifinals. Absolutely. So thank you for joining me today, Em. Where can the people find you and your work? People can always find my work at thenextdukes.com, uh, where my byline is published at least every Sunday. And then whenever we have random special projects, whenever you know I may or may not d d decide that I'm going to finish a long-form a long -form feature, um, they can also, of course, find me every Saturday on the podcast with, that does our scouting series. Uh, that is with our other contributors, Hunter Cruz and Nathan Schaefer. So that uh, right now we are going through and doing uh, basically every elite prospect that has come from, through the college ranks into the WNBA. Uh, come Saturday this week, you'll be able to hear us talk about one of the greatest players of all time, maybe the greatest prospect of all time, Maya Moore. Oh, I am so excited for that. Um, thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Everydayers, as you just heard, uh, you can tune in to M. Hunter and Lincoln every Saturday. I'm here for you every other Friday. Uh, just come back for more WNBA finals coverage. And then after that, we'll, we'll dive right into the college season. <laughs>